Welcome to the Indie Author Max podcast. Join me and my friends as I journey from amateur writer to published author. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the bullwhip crack like this. Let's begin now. Hello everybody and season's greetings. Welcome to the final episode of the podcast for 2022. Today in the interview section I will be talking to Alice Hanov. Uh, she is a first time Canadian author. Her, her book The Head, The Heart and The Air was released in August this year um, and it's a young adult medieval fantasy so if you want to check that out you can find it at amazon and barnes and noble and other places um really great covers on that and um you can also pre-order the second in that series which is called uh broken sons um really worth checking out uh some great covers they look really nice um and also worth checking out alice's web page which i think is just alicehanovauthor.com um, but you can search for that. Yeah, it's a really great author page. I'm very, very jealous of her page and need to step up my act a little bit. So Alice and I talk a bit today about how your child influences come through in your writing. Um, we also talk a little bit about the importance of finding the right person to, to be your editor. And that's coming up in the interview section. For my personal update, uh, December has been a bit of a crazy month. So my family and I have just moved into a new house that we've been building for the last couple of years. Um, we we decided to build before COVID and there's been, you know, the world kind of shut down for a while. So there's been all sorts of delays. So we've been waiting a long time to get into our new house and it, it all just sort of happened right before Christmas. Uh, so at the moment we're you know we're living with boxes everywhere and trying to find where we've put everything and where we're going to put all the things in our new house as well so that's uh yeah hard work at this time of year when there's all these other things going on also as as far as sales have gone with the book i've had an interesting time so um i've been doing a few markets some by myself some with some some other local indie authors um, and sort of that's been a bit of ups and downs. So I have had one where it was my most successful market where I actually sold um, 17 copies of, of my book. So that's book one and book two. Um, and then there was another market that I was doing with some other people where there was four of us and between the four of us, we only sold one book, not even, not even one each, just one book between the four of us. So yeah, a bit of an up and down month as far as sales go. I've also been part of a, um, a Christmas advent calendar. So each day of December, a different indie author has been the feature author for a day on, um, on Instagram. And that's been a bit of fun. I haven't really sort of seen any increase in sales on on my day, my day was day 17. Um, but I, look, these things are always good to get your name out there and just also to meet other other authors. Um, it's a bit of a chance to sort of yeah get to know people and see who's out there, look at their books, find out about their what they're doing and what they're writing, um, and just make those contacts. So that's that's been a bit of fun too. 
As far as my writing has gone, um, yes, like I said, it's been a very busy time, so hasn't been a lot of working on book three, but um, I'm coming up to my holidays now. As I am a teacher, I, I get January off work. Um, there will still be a lot of work to do here at the new house, uh, but I should be getting a bit of time in the next month or so to be working on book three of the Anchor Moon series, so that's name and number. Um, so I, I have been doing a little bit of mapping of that, that out. You might have heard me mention on here before that I am a plotter, so uh, I will work out you know, most of the storyline before I'll start writing, so you know, I, I will work out how it begins, the middle, the end. Um, I like to have twists in my book, so you know, I'll work out what the twist is and how that all works and what new characters are going to come in. Um, I, I don't do a whole outline, you know, I sort of find bits as I go, but yeah, definitely I'm not a, um, a discovery writer. I, I want to know where the story is heading before I start. So yeah, the, the planning has been done um, and I'm looking forward to having some time to, to sit down and actually yeah, get the, the next um, instalment of the Anchor and Moon series out, hopefully, uh, by this time next year. Some other things to mention before I go to the interview. I am still running a competition. So remember, if you would like to have a cameo in uh, Name and Number in the next book, then you need to um, let me know a character that you would like to return in book three. So some characters that may have disappeared from book one, book two, maybe they've left, maybe they've died, uh, maybe you want them to come back to life. So if you let me know which character you'd like to come back and why, um, and if you can email that to me at maxvictorbooks at gmail.com um, and also um, sign up to my, my newsletter. So just go to my website, so maxvictorbooks.com again, um, and you can keep in touch with what other people are suggesting. So um, I'm planning to, to draw that at the end of February. And so the person that um, is the winner will, will feature in a scene in book three. I'm also looking for some more authors or editors or publishers, anyone in the writing industry that would like to be interviewed or, or like to talk about what they're doing. Um, yeah, if you're, you're listening to this or you know somebody who you think would be interesting for me to contact, um, then let me know that as well. I'll be doing some interviews in my time off in January, so looking for some, some more people. I've got a couple of people, but looking for a couple more for the first few episodes of next year. So once again, people can just contact me um, at maxvictorbooks at gmail com and remember it's max with two x's so i hope you and your family are all well um, that you have a great christmas and a new year and i look forward to talking to you again in january let's go to the interview so welcome alice hanoff welcome to the the podcast um first up i i'd just like you to Tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing. Okay, so hello everyone. Um, thanks for joining us. 
Um, as Max said, I'm Alice and I live in Ontario, Canada. Yep. I live in a town called Waterloo, Ontario with my husband and our three kids. Yep. But more interesting is where I grew up. I actually grew up on an island in the middle of Lake Erie where there were only 32 kids in my entire school. Yep. So I spent Exactly. It's like one of those three room schoolhouses and uh, because it's an island and I spent my afternoons and my summers as a kid running around the woods on this island, having grand adventures with my friends and my stepbrother. And that is where so much of my imagination comes from. I kind of had a very overactive imagination as a child. And yep. even now, I never lost that. So yeah. I still have the same imagination I had when I was eight years old, and I love to use that in my writing. I have a degree in rhetoric yeah. and professional writing from the University of Waterloo, but I did a lot of literature courses as part of that and criticism and critiques in that. And I've always been drawn to books and to writing. I actually wrote my first book when I was like eight it was about yep. flamingos and their parents got kidnapped by some monster that I named the Ooga Booga. And yep. I actually <laughs> recorded myself reading it for my YouTube channel. So if you wow. want to hear me read about the flamingos and the baby baby flamingo who stabs the bad guy with a bazooka rather than <laughs> using it the way you're supposed to use a bazooka. <laughs> so, yeah, I, like that. That sounds like a thing that people are doing a lot now is the, you know, the audio books or the video books on, mm -hmm. on YouTube. Like, it sounds like you were doing that before. That was cool. <laughs> well, I recorded myself with my first book when I found it in our filing cabinet with all my, like, yeah. school grades and things like that. Yeah. And I just thought it was pretty funny. So I recorded that. But yeah, yeah so I write YA fantasy mostly. I always like to preface it by saying upper YA because I deal yeah. with some themes and things that I think is more appropriate for like 14, 15 year olds than like yes. 12 year olds where YA technically starts with. I mean, I let my 12 year old read it, but I'm not the average parent. Yes. And my 12 year old <laughs> reads at a 15 year old level right now. Yeah. So I can't, I just stopped trying to police what she reads because it I can't read ahead everything for her anymore when no. she was little I would read you know the 50 page book she wanted to read for her but now yep. she'll read a 300 page book in a day I'm yeah. like I don't have <laughs> time to pre-read for you no. <laughs> so no. I don't worry anymore I just but she reads my books and if she likes it or she goes mom kissing is gross I'm like good then I have the right balance yeah. <laughs> if I gross yeah. and weird her out then I know it's right but yeah. I write why fantasy because I love being able to make up my own world and I just think world building is so much fun. So I have created my whole my whole world with all my kingdoms and my characters. And that's my favorite part about when I write is that I get to make all this stuff up and go back to the fun I had as a kid running around the woods, making up imaginary characters and monsters chasing us and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it just sounds like a fascinating place to grow up. I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't even realize there was, you know, an island in the middle of Lake Erie. So have I said that right? Yep. It's yeah, called Peely Island. P-E-L-E-E. -E. Yeah. It's the only inhabited island really there. And it only had like 200, 250 year round residents. Yeah. And then it had about a thousand in the summer. But yeah, yeah, so there were only 32 kids on the island. And my grade was the biggest grade. With yeah. six kids in it, <laughs> yes. we were the big grade. Yeah, um, so. my my wife used to teach at a school like just out of town from where I live. That yeah, there was sometimes there was only six kids all up in the whole school. So you know, I I know that sort of that 
that country vibe where you know you, you all, all everyone everyone's your friends because they have to be <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it was yeah. the worst we only had three girls in our grade and then one above and one below us so it was yeah. hard then when there were more boys than girls too because yeah. you only had so many people and when you were fighting with them there was no one left to play with <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right if you if you're on the outer there'd be no one to make friends with yep yeah. there's no other friends to fall back on yeah and your self-published or hybrid or I'm an like I'm self-published but I'm doing it in a way where I have and my editing company is helping me so like they found my cover designer they found my they I paid them they wrote my like back blurb and that kind of stuff when I started my publishing process I was still working full-time and raising three children working at a full-time job and my husband runs a software company that we own. So I was also working part-time for my husband, helping run our software company. So when it came to deciding on edits and that, I told my husband, I found this great editor who literally was everything under one roof, you know, line edits, developmental edits, um, copy edits. They help with publishing. They could write query letters if I decided to go that way. And he was like, are they going to make your life easier? And I said, Oh my God. Yes. And he said, yes. we're going to go with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I had, I was meeting with some different editors at the time and Lauren and I got along so well in our one hour kind of intro meeting within half an hour, we were finishing each other's sentences. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, I clicked with this woman. Like I rarely click with people cause I'm crazy energetic and just like <laughs> wild. And she has that same energy that I do. And yep. as soon as we started finishing sentences, I was like, well, I'm not going to look for anybody else because yeah. I'm my editor. And that's, that's, so it was really easy. That relationship, yeah. yeah. Um, and how many, how many books have you published? So far, I have published book one in my series, which is called yep. The Head, the Heart, and the Air. And that will also be the series name, as well as the prequel book, which is a bunch of short stories about the characters taking place before the actual book begins. So the last short story actually takes place the day before the book begins. Okay. And then, and then I'm currently book two is finished and it's in the publishing process. So right now we're working on the cover and then we're going to start the, what's it called? Copy edits and start working on that stuff. We're hoping to release it early in 2023. And then book three, I'm just finishing the last round of developmental edits and then it will go into line edits actually on october 3rd yeah all right so yeah you'll have a, a couple more out fairly mm-hmm. quickly yeah. really yeah. quickly and book four is about 90 percent written nice. so book four is wrapping up nicely and now that my edits for book three are done i will be able to actually finish book four yeah yeah nice um this kind of leads me into the next question it sounds like yeah you don't have a lot of time on your hands for writing so how long did it take you to you know go from the idea of that first book to actually having a a published product so from the day i sat down to start writing it until i had the book in my hand was 911 days (laughs) but to to write draft one of book one was nine days yes yep so I wrote I wrote it over Christmas break when I was working yeah. full time. I just like I I wasn't loving my job, you know, things were very stressful. It was twenty it was Christmas of twenty nineteen at the time. Yeah. And my husband was like like I'll be honest, I I was very much we had three kids in five years. So yeah. I had been mom <laughs> for like ten years straight at that point. Yeah. And I got to that point, like many mothers do, where I felt like I had lost myself. My husband was yeah. like, What do you enjoy doing? Nothing. 
well, what are your dreams? I don't have dreams. I'm a mom. And the day I said that to him, he was <laughs> horrified and spent the next couple of months trying to get me to do something. And then finally I said, fine, you know what? I always wanted to write that book that's been in my head forever that I started yep. writing and quit a few times. Maybe I'd like to write that. And he was like, write the book, write the book. He's like, yes. take the days before Christmas off. Just spend, and he took our kids the entire two-week Christmas vacation that I was off work and my kids were out of school. And I wrote it in like 19 days. And yep. then it ended and he was like, you wrote it. You wrote draft one. That's amazing. How do you feel? And I just looked at him and I said, it didn't stop. Like, what do you mean? I said, the, the story in my head always kind of had this ending point. And I'm like, more stories showed up. And he was like, yes. then you keep writing. And I said, okay and i yep. kept writing and then within about four months i had written draft one of five books yeah wow. and then i thought now what do i do and then i started looking up like editing and things like that and then i went back you know because at that point having written five first drafts i knew my characters yep. way better than i did in the original first draft yeah so i could yeah. go back and start writing the characters and then i learned more about edits and then i found it was t January 2021 I found my actual editor. So before yep. that, it was just me kind of playing around, figuring out what I wanted to do, letting a friend or two read it. And one was like, oh, it's great. I love it. This was a friend who was like obsessed with Twilight. And my yes. goal was yep. to be better than Twilight. Oh, and then yeah, I had yeah. another friend who was like, do you know what show versus tell is? Do you know what this is? Why are you not telling? And she like ripped it apart. And uh, I was like, yeah. Yeah. I looked at it was like, wow, she was mean. And I was like, all right how do we fix this and then i went online and started googling what she'd written and figuring out how to fix it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i brushed my bruises off and said okay i can, i need to know what's broken so i can fix it and then i got up and i fixed it yeah but you need somebody like that really don't you because yeah i mean most of most of my family and friends are just going to say you know, oh yeah great. the book's great but you yeah yep. the, the the people that you, the opinions are you really value are the ones that say Oh, I don't think this bit works, and this bit works, and exactly, you know, and that yes, that that show don't tell, you know, like make it, you know, mm -hmm. yes, it's it's interesting to hear a story, but you know, what's going to keep the reader reading and coming back and be part of exactly you know, that that story? Um, yeah. So she about was a lifesaver saying, for that. Yeah, I was just thinking about what you're saying about you know you being a mother. Like, um, I know as a, as a parent, you get to a point where you know your, your hopes and dreams are that. Your, your children will actually put their washing away, you know, like they'll put their yes. the clothes away. You know, that's that's what your hopes and dreams My are. My son they'll leaves his socks on the dining room table. <laughs> yes. I'm like, could you just not leave your socks at the dinner table? Your yes. dirty socks do not yes. belong on the dinner table. This is what I'm trying to, like, achieve in my house right now. So yeah. it's like... Yep. Well, my, Very much yes. my, my kids are growing up, well, you know, one of them's an adult now, the other one's late teens, but, you know, We've got a problem now that our our new dog gets those socks and they end up outside chewed up. So you know, like, so now they have no socks because the socks yep. have just been left around. Eaten. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's karma then. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so um, about yeah, so you you wrote it very quickly. Um, do yeah. you? consider yourself then a you know they call it a, a pantser or a plotter it sounds more like you're probably or a discovery writer is probably a nicer way of putting that so do you feel like you have the whole plot laid out in your head before you begin or or it develops as you go along yes and no i kind of have yeah. a rough idea like i have a very rough 
a plot in my head, but it always goes off on side adventures. Yes. Yeah. Let those come freely, but I do know where, because mine's going to be a series, and I expect it'll probably be around seven books. I know yeah. where that series ends, and I know yeah. the big major points that kind of each book should end on, yeah. but other stuff just kind of comes, and I yeah. find that I'm a big fan of Easter egging things, so yes. I will write <laughs> something in book one, and now that I'm writing book four, I'm like, ooh, I can yeah. bring back that thing I mentioned on yeah. that like one short story in the prequel, and I yes. do. And yeah. I am nasty for that. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of it like a spider web where yeah. each major plot that, or each major adventure that's happening is a line that goes from the center out. And then there's yeah. the circles that go in the middle and that's the other stuff that I'm leaving. And it all interconnects in different parts and different points. And so in my head, my entire series is just a giant spider web. And yeah. I know which strings attach where and which parts of the web attach where and where there's holes purposefully and where there's missing information and where it's all going to end up. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like you're right a lot like me. I, I feel like I'm the same, but um, yes, I know if, before I write a book, I need to know where it starts. I need to know what the sort of, you know, I like putting twists in there. So I need to know what the twist yeah. is and I need to know where it ends. Um, but I'm the same with you. Like, yeah, I know, I don't, I, I, at the moment, I don't know how many are going to be in my series because I feel like my main characters, you know, there's three books that have sort of their their arc, but there's you know, mm-hmm. some of my side characters are saying to me now, I want to go off on and have an adventure, so they're going to have some of their <laughs> ones, but everything will come back at the end, and I know where it's all going to end down the yeah. track. Um, yeah, the same sort of thing, like, yeah, so I know bits and pieces, and and... You're saying the the Easter eggs too, yeah. Like I've had a couple of people mm-hmm. say to me, well, "What was that bit about the book?" I'm going, "Oh, it'll it'll come later." Like, yeah. and I'll go, "Is it in the next book?" Oh, probably not. You know, it's, it'll come later. No. <laughs> so I literally put things in the short stories that I have yeah. not written yet, and I yeah. finished book four, and I'm like, yeah. I know they're coming back. I know when they're coming back and how they're coming back and that. I think for me, what will decide the final series count is that because I'm writing YA. Yes. You really can't go over a certain word count yeah, without it yeah. being problematic yeah. because there's like a price point for selling a YA book as well. So yeah, if it's too yeah. long, then you can't make any money on the book. And so yeah. I kind of am limited a lot more in word count than if I was writing an adult book. Yeah. And because I'm limited more in the word count, I can't do like a 150,000 word book. I have no. to be like a hundred. My longest one is 103. And yeah, so book yeah. three right now is like 95. So, yeah. I mean, I'm really limited there. And so if I want to tell the whole story the way I want to tell it, it's either going to be seven or eight, depending on how I can break them up. And if I get the story put out the way that I want it. Yeah. Um, well, I was just thinking about that. This is a couple of months ago on one of the one of the Facebook groups. I mean, somebody was saying on there, um, yeah, they're asking the question. They, they'd written a book that was like, something like 800,000 word book or something. And they were saying about, oh, you know, how do I go about pricing this? And, and, and everyone on there was saying, split it up into a few books, you know, like yeah. <laughs> make make a bit of money off each book. Don't don't try and sell that. Yeah, you can't do that people. as a whole book. Yeah, the other no. thing too is that I've learned from my editors and the company is that people will not take a chance no. on an 800,000 word new author. Yeah. No. Like not a, and. 
if you actually really look, like when I was writing the book and they were telling me about word count and I wasn't sure if I believed them, they told me to go look at series. And when I looked at some different series, like Throne of Glass or the Air of the Folk series and that, yeah. all of the book ones are the shortest in the series. Yep. Yep. I'm just, and I was I'm just like, looking... holy cow. <laughs> yep. I'm yeah, just when you look at, at your my, shelf. Um, yeah, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and I've got the um, um, the Dark Tower books by Stephen King and the first book is yep. a tiny little book and then the next one even you know, the ones after that are giant these giant thick books but yeah like even Stephen King does that you know look <laughs> at the hobbit compared to the lord of the rings yeah yeah yep like, even the hobbit is tiny compared I, to the lord of the rings i can like... remember yeah reading lord of the rings when i was young going i don't think i can get through this you know like but yeah. the hobbit was like yep nothing exactly and then i so you've got to make the first one shorter yeah Yeah. and that's how they get you in they get them shorter so then you get hooked and then you also decide if you like the writing style the way the author writes the point of view all of that and if you like it you're more willing to take the risk on the bigger book that maybe is 400 500 words or pages because you know you like the characters you're invested and then you'll go into it because you're so excited to see what happens you'll get through that book no problem And so when I realized that, I was like, darn it, I have to figure out a way to cut it. And I did. Like I had my first one was 160,000 words and I ended up breaking it into two. Yeah, which was fine. The the ending was fairly rushed, so it did allow me to go significantly more in depth in the second book because the second book only ended up being like 30,000 words when I cut it. But I filled it in. No problem, because now I got to go into detail because I had written it very tight and short, like a lot of time gap jumps because I didn't have the word count anymore. But now I did. And oh, I got to tell the whole story better. Yeah. And that's that's. A nice bit about it too is that then you can go deeper into it if you're not trying to exactly. just yeah, squish it into a one book. Um, mm-hmm. So the other thing I wanted to ask is about marketing. How are you going with marketing? If you found things that are working, not working, it's hard. Is what I found. Yep. Like I'm yes. on. I've got a. I've got a good little mailing list that I have um, almost a thousand people on, which I'm excited about. And I give away my prequel. That's why my editors laughed at me because so many people come to them with book one and they're like, Oh, I heard I should do a reader magnet. Maybe I'll do a short story prequel book and we can do that at the same time. And they're always like, yeah, 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 sure. No one ever actually does it. Yes. <laughs> so when I said, oh, I have some short stories for my newsletter. Why don't we make a prequel reader magnet? Blah, blah, blah. They were like, yeah, 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 sure. You write it. We'll do it. Three weeks later, I came back. Okay, here's the book. Yeah. They were like, excuse me? I said, oh, well, I had written all these short stories already for my newsletter. So my husband and I added them one more time. Here they are. And they were like, um, okay. And yeah. then they had to publish two books at the same time. And they were yeah. just like. Yeah. Oh dear. And so I have that now as a reader magnet and I give it away for free on my website. So anybody yep. listening, you can get the spare who became the heir by yep. signing up for my newsletter on alicehanoff.com. And it's six <laughs> short stories. And because my book has two point of views right now, one is my main character, Alex, who is the princess sorceress. And no. the second point of view is Prince Aaron, who is Um, the prince of the kingdom like their dads are best friends kind of thing and they've been allies for centuries and he's the one who sent out to find her after she's been hidden away for 12 years because her psychotic grandfather murdered her mother and tried to kill her so he's been sent off to find her and finds her at the very beginning of the book and then the story deals with her adjusting to life being back in a kingdom after being raised 
in the woods, like in a Lost Boys type situation, yep. and having magical powers that go sporadic if she gets too emotional and cause a lot of havoc for her and everyone around her and the kingdom. And so it's, and learning to adjust to all the secrets in life in that, in the castle. But so because I have those two point of view characters in the prequel, half the stories are from Alex's point of view and delve with important days in her life. Like the day she got her powers and the day that um, they first got sporadic and crazy on her and then the day she gets her horse which is a very important like side character kind of in a way that's her pet and she's very has a great connection with it and then we see prince aaron like living in a castle living in a different type situation but we see the struggles he has to have to live up to his family's expectations my husband's favorite story is the one where he um plays a prank on his dad and lets all the the royal animals out and okay. causes so much mayhem in his castle. He's about 16 years old at that time. Yeah. <laughs> he got and these really are all mad just, at his dad. Just short just stories, short exactly. Stories, yeah. Yeah. And then the last one actually ends with, the last short story is what, in my first draft, was the beginning of the book. And that's yeah. where Aaron and his best friend Majesti, who is the sorcerer's apprentice in the kingdom yeah. that he lives in, his father, or his Majesti's father, Murloc, is the sorcerer, and he's actually the princess's uncle. So okay. Majesti is her cousin. So Aaron yeah. and Majesti get sent out to find Alex because with Majesti being her cousin, he should be able to recognize her from the magic that they both share. And okay. Aaron was one of the boys who grew up with her, like spent a lot of time with her. So he's one of the few people who remembers what she looks like. Okay. And so they go with the general because who's going to send the crown prince out without a guard? <laughs> and they get sent off in that last short story. And then it literally it picks up the day after they get to the small town where Alex is actually located, that's where the book starts. So I yeah. liked that I could sneak that in like chapter I'd written in the first draft that I had to toss. I was able to bring it back as a short story to lead into the book one, which I thought was a lot of fun. Yeah, that is good. And, and like you said, that's a, an excellent reader magnet. If there's people that just go, you know, Oh, I want to see first of all, what Alice's, writings like secondly where this mm-hmm. story is going to go that's yeah a great one yep. um i'm i'm working on my one at the moment my reader magnet which is one of the one of the sort of side characters going off she in the first book disappears for a while and so i've sort of explained <laughs> where she goes um nice. but, but yeah like my you know my mailing list at the moment's only like i think it's 30 or something people at the moment so I, i've only just sort of started that so um I'm pretty excited to hear that you've got a thousand people. That's good. So where where are they sort of there, coming yeah. from mainly? I actually I I'm very I will warn you about this. Yes. I worked for 15 years in a statistics department at a university. Yes. I like numbers. Yep. I track everything as meticulously as I can. So yes. whenever people would sign up for my mailing list, or I would do any kind of a contest. Like I would do a giving away um, bookmarks from my book or I gave yep. away a signed copy before it was released kind of thing. I yep. would ask people, where did you come from? Yes. And most yep. of them come from TikTok. Okay. So yep. I am on YouTube. It was my smallest platform because I just started yes. it. Yep. Instagram I've been on since 2020 and then TikTok I just joined in the last year yes. and I find that the majority of people who come now to my newsletter and come for things are coming from TikTok which is yep. good because 
when you write YA fantasy the way that I do, there's two actual markets for YA fantasy. And I think the most important thing for marketing is to know who your niche target market is. But the problem with YA is half of YA books are bought by young adults. So like my daughter, teenagers who buy the books and read them. The other half are bought by adult women like me who were (laughs) teenagers who read YA and never stopped. So yep. it's like, I have two markets. I have my daughter's market and I have the me market. So I yes. find that um, some, like I find that on Instagram, I connect more with the me's, the adult yep. women who are on there who like the pretty pictures yep. and things yep. like that. And on TikTok, where I get to be my crazy weirdo self, I find I connect more with the younger, the 20 somethings and the older teens because I talk about things, but I'm also a very high energy person. I met my husband in a theater group. We're both very yep. outgoing and exuberant type people. And I refuse to be fake on any social media so when i show up i've never worn makeup on my social media i'm just the crazy way i always am and people (laughs) apparently like that my daughter just told me the other day that all her friends think i am like the coolest mom ever and i'm like really i'm like a hot mess and she's like yeah mom they just think you're amazing and i'm like okay then but i mean their world probably is is overrun with people that are you know you know, I don't like to call people fake. They are everyone is their own person, but you know, the, mm-hmm. it's it's filtered. It's it's yes. airbrushed. It's this. It's everything, and it's you know, you, you see these beautiful pictures of them, but you, then you find out that they've had to wait twelve hours to get that one photo, and they're you know, yeah, um, yeah. So they're probably saturated with those things, and so it's probably is probably not nice to see someone just being normal, just being Definitely. themselves. Yeah. It's like when yeah. you're picking a filter on TikTok, I will never pick a makeup filter over the inverted filter that makes the people following me actually be able to read the book cover. <laughs> yes. Because I'm uh, like, oh, I could do makeup or like some fun hair, or yeah. you could actually see the book I'm holding. Yeah. The answer That's... is always, I will pick make the book look right over make me look prettier. I'm like, I'm not here to be pretty. I'm here to talk about books <laughs> and I, I, it drives me crazy on social media when I, someone's holding a book and they're talking about it and you can't read what yeah. the book is, like what the name of the book is or the author, or they're covering it with their hand. I'm like, move your hand. I yes, want to see what you're talking about. Yeah. I want to see what, yeah, I want to see it and I want to see it the right way around. Or even worse when they don't show you the book. I'm just yeah. like, are you for real? This yeah. is the best, this is the best book I've ever read in my life. What's it called? What's What's Tell me something. And then they just yes. keep talking about how great it is. And I'm like, all right, next person. You're not going to yeah. help me find a great book. So how many how many followers have you got on TikTok then? Do you know? About 5,500. About 5,500. Yeah. 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 And, that, and you just started Which I mean, isn't this... huge, but less no, than but a year you, ago. You just started but... this year. Yeah, just, yeah. Um, yeah, like I, that, that's something I need to explore a bit more. Like I've got, I think I've just, um, yeah, I've just gone over to two thousand. I just clocked up to two thousand. Um, nice. But I, I don't feel like I've really got much interaction there from people. You know, like I don't feel like it's changed much for me. <laughs> so I need to, yes, yeah, sort of think about what I'm doing on there a bit better. I think. Yeah, I think it's with like, I actually think with TikTok, it's harder to be a guy TikTok author than it yes. is to be a girl TikTok author, just because <laughs> with. Like women, we flock to each other's books and I'm writing YA books and I write for women. So clearly yeah. when I'm talking about a YA book and it's a female heroine, they're like, ooh, ooh, you. 
But I also know that depending on what genre you're writing, sometimes women don't want to read a book written by a man. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be challenging for you. I yeah. don't like. I personally tend not to read romance books written by men, yeah. because I'm like, I'm I have a husband. I don't need the male perspective on romance. <laughs> I'm married to one. Like, yeah. I would like the story written by a woman, so I get my side of things. Yeah, that's yeah. why my and husband I'm... edits my male point of view in my book as well, so that I know my guy sounds like a guy. We've had many heated arguments where he's like. Aaron's being too much, like, it's too soft here. He wouldn't talk to the guys like this. And I'm like, oh, but he's talking about it. He goes, no, it's not how he's going to talk. And I'm like, yep. really? And he's like, not allowed. He's like, I'm putting my foot down as the guy. I'm changing this. And I'm like, oh. But I yeah. get it because he's like, this is not how guys would talk alone. You can't make him talk like that. And so I nine out of ten times I give in and I let him adjust Aaron and make him sound like how a guy would talk. And it's very helpful for me because I know that my mail is written and approved by a guy yeah so i'm like yeah. even though he comes off very sweet and kind you know the way girls want or the way women want the male character in a book to be my husband makes sure that it's still authentic man <laughs> that it's yeah. not too much i think that is important um and it's interesting hearing you say that because the the feedback i've got the really positive feedback i've got is has been a lot of it from um my male friends uh other men sort of my age that have gone, oh, yeah, like, because I've got these these two really sort of funny, they're not brothers, but it's almost a brother-like relationship and there's really yeah. sort of fun banter between them and they say, oh, I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's great to hear that somebody actually write, like, guys actually talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, which is great. But then, yeah, when I think about the, the people following my, me on TikTok, you're right, there's, there's probably 99% of them are, well, probably, probably 50% of them are, you know, um, teenage girls, because I'm writing in the same sort of genre as you. Um, and then about probably about 49% of them are middle-aged women, and then there's there's a few men in there. <laughs> so, yep. like, I, yeah. I'm the same. I have a handful of men that are in there, and yeah. I'm like, honestly, I think most of the men following me are other male authors who are writing fantasy, because yes. I don't yeah. think I have a lot of male fantasy readers who yeah. are following me. And that's okay. I think when you're writing fantasy, if it's got, I think that Brandon Sanderson writes the way that just general fantasy is, but I'm yeah. going for the fantasy where I want there to be, I want the adventure. I want the journey and that, but at the same time, I have a bit of a love story to it. I have like, what's the, the coming of age in it for my female character and that, but then like how you have the witty brother like character. She actually has two guys who protected her in the camp and are like her older brothers. I call them yes. her pseudo brothers. And yep. she has the one whose literal job was to physically protect her. He was, he's the son of one of the generals in the kingdoms. And yep. he was literally, his job was to keep her safe and alive. And everyone thought he was dead because when she went missing, he went missing and they all thought he died, but he's actually been protecting her. And then the other he's one like, is like, yep. is the boy she found in the woods yep. covered in blood <laughs> And brought home with her and asked if she could keep him. And her, her brother is just like, you brought a boy covered in blood home with you. And she's like, yeah, he's funny. Can I keep him? And she was like, like six at the time. And like he's like, looks at the other guy in charge of like their lost boys camp. And Ian's just like, seriously? And Stefan's like, what do I say to her? And he's like, fine, you can keep him. Like he's a puppy. And yeah. so, and this is like her best friend. And they are like 
they are inseparable. They're like brother and sister where when she's upset or she's really angry, he's the only one who can talk her down because they connect on the emotional level. And yep. Stefan is more the older, the protective older brother where if a boy even looks at her, he's just like, <sighs> and the guy runs away like in terror. So I love <laughs> that she has the emotionally supportive older brother who's there when she's upset. Stefan just kind of like pushes her to Michael. He's like, she's crying. She's yours. <laughs> and when she hurts herself, Stefan comes running in and he's just like, I'm going to murder whoever touched her. And so um, I love their dynamic because the three of them are like siblings and best friends, but they fight like siblings and best friends do. At one point she gets mad and she chucks a book at Stefan's head because he's annoying her and he yeah. just lets it fly by and doesn't even flink. Used to it. And did I have so have, much fun writing them. Yeah, did you have older siblings growing up? No, I didn't. I had a sister, but yeah. she died when I was little. So oh, okay. I actually write the scenes with siblings yeah. I wish I could have had. And so, so I give so many stories with those three in there because yeah. I put in there what I wanted to have and didn't get. Yeah. So now I get to give my character what I could have had. Yeah, and I guess and that makes you it probably a lot had, like you said, you, you grew up in that area where you're probably very close friendships with, with kids that were of different ages and things, though. So you probably mm -hmm. did have those kind of relationships you can... And I had a stepbrother, but I really didn't yeah. like him very much. So, okay. <laughs> so I have the hatred down really well with the sibling hatred. Hopefully, he I can doesn't do. listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, he won't. He's one of those people who lives like in a hermit in the woods. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not worried about him here in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the, the next thing I wanted to ask is for, for people that are starting out on this this journey. Um. What kind of advice would you give to them? I always say, you just have to write the book. Yep. So many people get, fall into that problem where the, they think it has to be perfect. And yep. you can't write and expect your first draft to be perfect. I like to tell people that, guess what percentage of draft one I kept in my final <laughs> draft? Just guess. Guess a number. Guess a number? Uh, let's yeah. say... Or say like a chapter or, number or something say, like that. Uh, maybe you kept... How many chapters was it originally? Um, it would have, uh, it ended up being like 40 chapters. 40 chapters? Did you keep yeah. uh, 20? I kept two scenes. Two scenes? <laughs> so not even two, two scenes. chapters? Yeah. Two scenes. Yeah. I literally yeah. started the book with Aaron's point of view and then realized like really late that that was wrong. It needed to start with the main character, which is Alex's point of view. Yeah. And so I had to fix so much, but I literally kept two scenes yeah. from the original book when I rewrote. I'm, my book that got published is like edition or draft 14, I think. Yeah. Or maybe it's even 16. So I went yeah. through so much and I think it's um Jody Piccolo who said you can edit a bad page, but you can't edit a blank page. That's, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so my biggest advice is just to write the book. It doesn't matter if it is terrible. That is literally what edits are for and rewrites. And I mean, I did 16 rewrites in my first edition. So rewrite it a hundred times if you want to. But until you actually write it, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. And so my best advice to people is just write it. It doesn't matter if it's terrible. You write it, you put it in a drawer for a month or two, you go back and read it, and then you write the second draft. Yeah. And fix everything you don't like in draft one. <laughs> yeah. And did any of those things from draft one end up in any of the short stories or in things later on? Or Yes. yes. For example, the last short story, the one where Aaron gets sent to go find Alex, was actually how the first draft started. 
yeah. with book yeah. one. It started with Aaron being sent and then kind of jumped ahead a few months where he finds her. But then I realized I never had read a single book other than Six of Crows that did yeah. not start from the POV of your main character. Yeah. And so once I realized that, and I made that discovery myself, and then I called a friend out on it where she started a book with someone else's point of view. And I was like, do you realize that there's no fantasy book that starts with someone else's <laughs> POV? And she was like, yeah, there is. And then she opens her mouth and just stared at me. <laughs> trying to think and like, you can see was. her eyes going. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, like Six of Crows does. And I threw it across the room when I've learned all those names for no reason. And she was like, <laughs> she just stared at me and was like, oh, God, you're right. And then she had to go and rewrite her first three chapters because she did the same mistake I did. But once I realized that, I just had to start somewhere else and rewrite it. But I like that scene where he gets sent because we get to see um, in that scene, he's sent not only by his own father, but by Alex's father. And they are such different men. The two kings of the different kingdoms are entirely like different. And they couldn't be more opposite. Like I always laugh and I think of that, um, that, clip from sleeping beauty where the kings are talking about bringing her home and you've got the fat guy with the gray hair and the tall guy with the black beard and they start fighting and hitting each other with the fish that (laughs) is edward and emmerich to me (laughs) like emmerich aaron's dad is so like he comes from a military kingdom he's strict he's angry he expects his son to be perfect and edward is more the loving and forward-thinking king and he just wants his daughter home safe and so like he's there in his pajamas almost in tears he's like you have to go find her like we need her home and his dad's like don't screw it up yeah <laughs> he's like I'm sending the general with you don't yeah. mess it up and so i loved the fact that you got to see those two kings together not like in a setting with alex you got to see them alone yeah. with just Aaron and because you later on most of the scenes with the parents involve her as well and I just like that you got to see that vulnerability in her dad and you got to see why Aaron struggles so much with his relationship with his father and so I put that scene in the prequel because yeah. we have issues with our parents and so I like the fact that Alex's dad is so kind and loving and gentle and Aaron's dad is such a hard pain in the tuchus and Aaron struggles a lot with the relationship with his father and that their relationship is very rocky and when you see that scene where his dad is literally like Edward's like please I trust you you're gonna bring her home I have so much faith in you and his dad is literally just like don't screw it up you're like ooh, no wonder you don't like your dad (laughs) your dad's kind of a jerk but he has to be right because he's the he's the military kingdom so his whole life has been spent at war and fighting with other kingdoms so obviously he's not a pushover whereas alex's dad his kingdom has been protected by the other kingdoms so he could be more forward thinking and gentle because they had dayton who was the giant military kingdom protecting them so they could do what they wanted because if you messed with warren dayton would come and crush you (laughs) so no one messed with warren (laughs) and like like you're sort of saying it's 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 nice to have those things in a prequel. So people, you know, people who fall in love with your world, they'd love to see that. They love to see those extra relationships. But if it's the first exactly. time they're reading book one, they don't need to know all that. You know, they, they just need to know exactly. who, who's the character for this book, what's their journey. Um, and once mm-hmm. they fall in love with those people, then, yeah, yeah they want to know who their parents are and who this is and who, you know, but... Exactly. Um, if you started the book with and that, a lot people of... would be going, what, what's this? Who, what? They'd be you bored. Know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I already have a lot of characters to begin with. I put... um. 
like a kingdom list in the back of the book so people can remember who belongs oh, to which idea. kingdom to make it a little easier for them. And I will say some people have read the prequel book or the short stories after book one as well, and they found it people find it equally enjoyable whether they read yes. it before or whether they yep. read it after because if they if they read the story and they fall in love with the characters now they get to see more and i purposely with the short stories tried to make sure that i touched on all the main characters so i have yep. like six or eight main characters that are in the book and will be there throughout all of them and i have every one of them except for one of them covered in the short stories yeah so it's, it's you get to see all of them. To your, um, your your mailing list <laughs> Yep. Yep. Well, they're a lot of fun. And like I said, um, Alex ends up getting her powers when she's nine. Sorcerers aren't supposed to get them until they're like 18, until okay. they hit what's like yep. considered their puberty. But yep. they come early sometimes if something happens. And so something does happen to Alex when she's young. And so the first short story in there is the accident she has as a little kid that sends her powers to her. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so I just love that because it literally starts with her taunting Michael She's like, where are you, what? Where are you, what? And she's like 10. <laughs> so I have an 8-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. So I was like, how would, when I was writing it, my middle daughter, Katrina, was like 8 or 9. I was like, how would Katrina act? And I literally <laughs> wrote exactly how she would act in yep. that situation. Yep. So it helped yep. because I had a kid that age when I was writing that short story. Yeah, yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you're living in that moment and you can relate to that. <laughs> I could very much relate to yeah. that. Um, so h- how is it How is it all going? And, and this is the question I ask everyone is, are you ready to leave your day job yet? I did quit my day job. You did quit your day job. Yes. I read this question and I laughed so hard because I'm like, <laughs> I bet no one else is going to answer it this way. Like, yep. Because I'd worked at a university for about 15 years and yep. my husband... When I went back after maternity leave from our second daughter, he had started a startup on the side and he worked for the company that now is known as BlackBerry and back then was Research in Motion. And he, it was at the time where they were going through big changes and that, and he was so unhappy. I told him to quit his job and work for himself. And I said, go for your company you started. Uh, If we run out of money, you have to get a job somewhere else. And he has a master's degree from the University of Waterloo in computer science. So he knows a ton of computer science people. And we knew he could have gotten a job in like two weeks if he needed to. So he quit and he founded our startup company, um, Hanoff Solutions Incorporate. And he does customizable programs and does um, like bubble charts online. But his main one is a drawing program. It's like Microsoft Paint, but he incorporates it into other software so like doctor's offices buy it and then they can draw on x-rays or a okay. hydro company cool. bought it to draw on maps to show people where they're going to be cutting down the trees and that so that's one of his things that he does and then when covid hit and i was working full-time starting to write my book i had three kids at home virtual learning and yes. i pretty <laughs> much had like a mini nervous breakdown because trying to juggle three kids and our son was in kindergarten at the time yeah and like trying to get a kindergartner to sit still And my son is ADHD, so he can't sit still. And trying to get him and working full time, I literally was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And my husband had so much business because part of the software he does is collaborative. And a lot of schools were buying it in order to work it into their platforms. And so he was swamped. I was miserable. And he looked at me and he's like, I need to hire help. Why don't you just quit? And you can work for me part time and write the rest of your time. And I was like, yeah. So I did. I quit my job in September of last year. And since then, I am customer support for our software company. And I write 
So I answer yeah. all the emails for like purchases or if team, like someone's project isn't working or they need a password reset, I do that. And I just have two monitors. One is all his stuff. And I send invoices for him when he needs me to and whatever else he tells me he needs me to do, I just do. And then he just has to worry about coding. I deal with all the customers and talking to people, which I'm very good at. And my husband is a little bit more of an introvert. So he doesn't like yeah. having to talk to people as much. And then the rest of my time I write. So I actually yep. did quit my job. And so I get to write. And I went from writing, like literally from 5am till 7am. And then from like 7pm until midnight every day and all day Saturday to getting to write like hours now. Because yeah. I just yep. have the two screens open. And I have to yep. and if I get an email, it bings at me. But if I don't get yep. an email, I just get to write the whole day. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> it makes me yeah, very happy. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, so so I haven't made have any money writing yet, but no, at least, but... you know, I got to keep working on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, at least it, it is now, yeah, a uh, a job. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 Well, he's after letting me letting him quit and carrying the family for 10 years with benefits and finances and that that now his company had grown enough in that time that it could easily employ both of us. And he yeah. said, well, now you get to follow your dream and write and you will just help keep our company growing. And yeah. he couldn't believe how much I managed to get done in like a few hours during the day that I work on it. He's like, how do you do all that? And I'm like, I'm very efficient with my time. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, well, your work didn't appreciate you. I'm like, thank you. It is, it is amazing when you, um, you realize just when all those other things are happening and taking up yeah, the, the space exactly. in your brain. And things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, also like the stress because from COVID, yes. everything was so stressed out and having three kids at home for so long yep. and trying to do a full-time job. I was literally on a nine out of 10 stress and anxiety every single day. And yep. then since I've quit my job, it's gone down to like a two. Something. One time <laughs> he was supposed to pick our kids up from school and he literally called me terrified I was going to have a heart attack because he's like, I can't find the kids. Oh, no. And we live a mile from their school and they walk home every day, but he was supposed yeah. to pick them up because they had yeah. like one of them had to go to an appointment or something. And yeah. he calls me. He's like, I'm really sorry. He goes, I don't know where the kids are. And I'm like, that sounds like a you problem. And then I hung up <laughs> and he was literally, and then I called our daughter and I told her what her dad said. And we laughed at him while she was walking home with her siblings. And my husband was like, you didn't yell at me. He's like, I'm so confused. Where's my stressed wife? And I'm like, she left. I don't care anymore. It's fine. <laughs> they know the way home. They're going to walk home like That's they it. normally do. It's not yeah, a problem. You knew where they would be. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, they're probably past the high school by now. Because he took his car and his car is like a little Prius and I have the yep. minivan. So they looked yep. for the minivan and didn't see his car. Uh, yes. But it was just so funny because he was like, I lost our children. And I was like, yeah, that's your problem. Oh, well. <laughs> just hung up. He's like, I don't even know what to do with that. It's it's funny the um, COVID for me was the opposite because because I'm a a school teacher I actually had you know I mean I've got had my two kids home with me on virtual learning but they're older so they were sort of looking after yeah. themselves and so I had lots of time where I was just sitting there going okay um, I've taken my class I've set things up I, I'm sitting here just waiting for for kids to sort of email me back and ask for help and things. With and, questions, yep. And I'll just go, oh, all right. So I actually had heaps more time, actually, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't away from here. I was just sort of sitting at my desk 
you know, the same as you probably waiting for the emails to come in and just go, yep. oh, I'll write a bit, I'll check this, I'll edit that. So um, yep. I actually found it all a lot less stressful for me. <laughs> so. Once the kids went back to school, but that, yep. I want to say that of those, that year and a half, like of, of 18 months, they spent like 15 of them at home. Yes. That was yep. hard because yep. they kept getting sent home. They kept closing the schools. And then we had summer vacation in there as well. Yep. And it was crazy yeah. because they just yeah. kept being sent home and it yeah. like when they were gone it was fine it was manageable but as soon as they were all home again yeah it was and i could have not yeah. pleasant yeah i could have but the one good thing younger yeah. yeah especially our son i wanted to pull him out of kindergarten because he knew all the stuff he needed to know already and my husband would not let me yeah i just wanted to let him watch tv all day for the last like three months of kindergarten <laughs> i'm like he doesn't need kindergarten it's just kindergarten but the yeah. one thing that did, the one good thing that came from COVID for us was I always thought my husband and I could not work together, that we would drive each other crazy. Yeah. But we became, we were one of those couples who became such a great team during COVID. We're literally, we had worked out our work days so that it was exhausting, but we had worked it down. So I would work nonstop from like 7 a.m. until noon at my job. Then he would start his work day and go noon to eight. And then I would do my last three hours of my day with the kids, juggling them and everything and, you know, doing life and dinner and all that. But we learned that we can work ridiculously well together. Yeah. And so that's what allowed me to quit then was because we were both like, well, we can be trapped in a house together for two years and we were fine. It was the stress of parenthood mixed in with everything that made it so rough. But I'm like, we were great as a couple and tag team. We always call it tag team parenting where we hand the kids off to each other. So everyone gets a bit of a break. It's just (laughs) instead of having a break, it's like, Hey, you get the kids now so I can go work for eight hours. And so there was no break. But at least we learned that we could work very well like that together. And so then when he needed help, it just made sense to hire me because we knew without having to worry about it that we would work perfectly fine together. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess all we've got left to, to talk about is is where can people find your book and find out more about you? You know, you talked about you're on Instagram and you're on TikTok. So let us know all the places that people can find you. So I'm on, everything is under Alice Hanoff Author. That's my TikTok handle. It is my Instagram handle. My YouTube channel is under Alice Hanoff Author. And then my website is alicehanoff.com. And that has my store where I have signed copies in it. And I can also sign up for the newsletter there to get my prequel book for free. And then my books are on Amazon. They're on um, all the online stuff, like I know you're in yes. Australia, so I'm trying to think. Um, I think bookshop.org is one of them. In the U.S., they're on walmart.com and target.com as well. But they're on all the Amazons in paperback. Or the book one is in paperback, ebook, and hardcover. The yep. prequel is only available in paperback on Amazon because it's free. I guess you can buy it on ebook too, but it's for free on my website. And then the hardcover yep. for it is only available on my website. Okay. Because yep. it, so, it's just um, difficult. So you're giving away a free paperback? E- of the a free ebook. Of, yeah. Of the e-book. Yep. yeah, that's okay. Yep, that yep. makes sense. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, well, thank you. It was really fun to chat to you, and um, hopefully we'll catch up again down the track sometime. That'd be fantastic. It was a blast to talk to you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening. 
If you want to find out more about me or my books, please go to maxvictorbooks.com. And remember, that's Max with a double X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash maxvictor. And remember, that's M-A-X-X-V-I-C-T-O-R. See you next time. Happy writing.